0: That's chumbacasino.com.
1: No purchase necessary. VGW report Void were prohibited by loss. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
0: Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring.
1: A laundry? Oh, a book club. Computer solitaire? Huh?
0: Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. Ch- ch- that's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over a 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No process limited by law, 80 plus, Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The past isn't dead. James, fate draws us back together. Now your enemy is my enemy.
1: His name is Safin.
0: What does he want? Revenge. Me? When her secret finds its way out, it'll be the death of you. James Bond. We both eradicate people. To make the world a better place. I just want to be a little. Tidier. Harder to tell the good from bad, villains from heroes these days. What is it? You don't
1: know what this is. He's going to kill millions.
0: If we don't do this, there will be nothing left to save. After several delays due to the pandemic, No Time to Die is opening in theaters on October 8th, with Daniel Craig back in his fifth and final outing as 007 in Eon's 25th Bond movie. Directed by Carrie Joji Fugunaga, the film picks up the story just after the events in Spectre and was lensed on locations including Italy, Norway, Jamaica, and England, as well as on stages at Pinewood in London. To talk about the ambitious production, In this episode, our guest is cinematographer, Lena Sangren, who received an Oscar and BAFTA award for his work on Damien Chazelle's La La Land. His credits also include Gus Van Sands' Promised Land, David O. Russell's American Hustle and Joy, Jonathan Dayton and Valerie Ferris's Battle of the Sexes, and Damien Chazelle's First Man. I'm Carolyn Giardina. Welcome to The Hollywood Reporter's Behind the Screen. Hi, Linus, thanks for joining me and congratulations on No Time to Die.
1: Thank you for having me. Thank you.
0: This was your first Bond film. Have you been a fan of the franchise and what was it like joining the project?
1: I am a fan and I've, I've been a fan since since I was a teenager. And I made my own, um, you know, small films on Super 8 as a teenager, as many of us have done. But um, it it was quite inspiring you know uh, the whole franchise for me as a as a kid growing up I, I i got into scuba diving and and you know free diving thanks to to the franchise and and you know different bonds have affected you in different ways i think and and and, and then later on as a, a as a you know filmmaker or cinematographer it's one of those projects that really uh, something that is a big privilege to be part of, I think. I always considered it being like the grandest uh, of all kinds of uh, challenges, you know, as a cinematographer. So that was, uh, it it was actually an unbelievable opportunity for me, I must say.
0: So this was the first time you worked with Kari Joji Fukunaga. When the two of you started talking, what was the visual language that you decided you wanted to achieve?
1: Uh, it was fun to talk to him. Initially, um, we had a conversation over uh, Skype, and Kerry called me, right, and we talked about it. And the the common um, what I what made me really happy was that Kerry wanted to sort of look for the the soul of Bond. You know, the everything that Bond is. If you boil it down to the essence of what Bond stands for, he wanted to find that and use also the. sort of charm and the charm in bond that um, has been throughout all those films over time and and not be afraid of you know bringing in the romantic action that is like rich and colorful and slightly you know or or maybe perhaps very much heightened but still connected to reality and obviously daniel craig's uh, bond has added a lot of realism and more brutal type of action Uh, through his films and brilliantly so, obviously, and created a great depth to the character. And yet it was important for us visually to to sort of try to always add to it in the directions we were going. And Kerry very much wanted it to feel like it was a great ride. It it should be a great ride. So the way he was involved in writing the script, um, he very much created a story so that we could, um, you know, go from one really cold location to one really warm location and doing so also sort of visually with the color palettes and with uh, the 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 days and nights try to vary it so much that you felt sort of the contrast in the story and also obviously related to the story but very much giving um, uh, the audience as much um, you know rich uh, escapism as possible on this journey it was still important that it was like relocations or we went to places that you actually can go to more or less but but it's in in the same connection like with the action where carrie didn't want to have anything uh, any action that wasn't possible to do in uh, in in real life right so all the stunts had to be sort of possible in in the reality couldn't be any anything that is not, not physically possible so that that sort of grounded us in reality with the relocations uh, and sort of places you actually can go to but we we decided to to go when we go to icy locations it would be like the iciest location you know or you go to a, a romantic Jamaica then it's uh, you know the sunsets or it's it's a romantic uh, vibrant nights and try to find color palettes that are contrasting so that you get a new uh, scene, when you come to a new scene, you get a new visual uh, effect, you know, Kerry talked to me a lot about um, that he wanted to uh, give the audience, you know, like a a great uh, visual experience that's just um, as as grand as possible. And part of that was also to shoot on film and to ideally shoot on large formats for sequences, which we uh, also did. So The film has like both um, uh, anamorphic 35 in there, but also IMAX 15 perf uh, film cameras for certain sequences.
0: That's something I wanted to talk to you about because you similarly used IMAX for certain sequences in First
1: Man. Right.
0: And you did that again. So do you want to elaborate on your choices of uh, cameras and lenses and when you chose to use the different formats?
1: I found you know in our first uh, discussions already that Karen uh, and I had very similar uh, view on you know how how to use uh, s- cinematography in, in a film and uh, part of that is like that the format you shoot on very much affects um how the audience um sees the film and and we both felt that um bond movies for us felt like Anamorphic 35 is like what the franchise lives in. It's like um, the wide scope of the screen that you and, and that you get lush colors shooting on film. That was sort of a no-brainer for us in the discussions. And we already connected on that early on. But Kerry also said that um, he wished that we could, you know, expand that even further and so that's why we uh, found these selected uh, sequences where we uh, shot on uh, IMAX film because of, because of those sequences being uh, very immersive. Uh, it's interesting when you sit in an IMAX theater uh, and you're, um, the image, which is then as wide as you can see, also disappears below your feet and above your head when you're in the theater. That just comes with Carrie's sort of constant, um, eager to maximize the film. I mean, it, it goes to sets as well. I mean, the sets were built to the walls on the stages, and and he would still want the sets to be bigger and longer, or, you know, if he that, that's just in his nature uh, for the vision of this film was that we should do everything we can to just maximize. And And so the reason for IMAX in this film has to do with just opening up the peripheral viewing for the audience and to see even more, be even more engulfed in, in the scenes, you know.
0: Well, like, like all the Bond films, the locations are such a part of the story. And uh, this time you shot in Italy, Norway, Jamaica, England, and of course you used Pinewood for your stages. Let's talk about some of those. The, uh, the opening of the film begins in Matera, Italy. Tell us about shooting that, that first chase sequence.
1: Yeah, so what's interesting with uh, Matera's story, I think, is in the film is that um, you have both sort of um, an emotional story in there, but you also have this action sequence in there. And and it's both a very romantic city, beautiful, like it looks almost like from 2000 years ago, <laughs> or it, 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 there's no paint on the walls, right? It's just stone buildings and really, really romantic, I would say, um, perfect. Uh, vacation trip for a, a loving couple but um
0: and we meet james with madeline swan and played by leah sudo
1: yes you meet uh, meet them there on a romantic um vacation but so that's perfect right for that reason but then obviously those walls of uh, of stone are quite hard to um just the thought of um, uh, you know crashing your car or motorcycle into those stone walls or or having fights in, with, and hit your head to those stone walls or whatever. It's just um, really, really visceral. So I think that was the, the base of that location. And what is interesting there is that it has, um, it's, it's quite beautiful uh, all the time, but especially if it's um, sunny. So that was one of our challenges to just um, uh, find the moments of sunshine, you know, in these scenes. So in in Matera, it was, we had quite a bit to do in Matera with the stunt uh, planning. And I think, um, I don't know exact details of how much time they spent down there, but we obviously have to lock down that whole town, more or less, in order to um, uh, perform these uh, stunts there, both the car stunts, but also the motorcycle stunts and the huge lockups already beforehand just to you know, rehearse stunts and to uh, prepare for them. And I know that the motorcycle stuntman he rehearsed a lot of, uh, you know, all this stunt ahead of time on other locations. But then also built they built this ramp then on that um, along this wall. So uh, we had a second unit uh, director Alexander Witt who um, went ahead of us to shoot wider shots of these stunts and and then we would come down and. Uh, come in and shoot the shots with the actors so that was all planned out ahead of time and rehearsed and i'm not sure if we had like six seven cameras on that scene and also a drone uh to shoot it and i think um it was amazing uh, you know to uh, be part of uh, doing such grand stunts where you have the resources to actually do them on those kind of locations where you have to ask the people who live there for
0: to your happy place for a happy price Go to your happy price, Priceline What was it like for you to plan the camera positions in the cinematography for some of those shots? Because it looked like the streets were all very, very narrow.
1: Yeah, so we did um, a lot of testing and, and we put IMAX cameras on motorcycles and uh, it was, you know, moments in and we know this from making films in general, it's usually when you reach the the point in prep and when you reach the you know testing in prep where you feel like you hit a limit of what you can do you just need to think a little more and try to um, see if there is fines to where we can invent solutions maybe by compromising something else or maybe if we tried from the other angle because it's easy that you you have sort of your knowledge and the knowledge can sometimes be restricting you. You would think, like right away, that an IMAX camera that weighs like 80 pounds could not be on a on a you know on a dirt bike uh, on the back of a dirt bike. But actually, it actually can. <laughs> it turned out, and so yeah, we put cameras on in in positions on motorcycles and to go through those narrow alleys. And also, Chris Corbett, the special effects supervisor he built those, uh, this car, right, the DB5, he built that from scratch with uh, Aston Martin doing the the body, but um, the chassis of those cars he built and he made it possible for the actors to also, you know, both drive them, some stunts was done by Daniel himself, but also a stunt driver would drive the car from a pod on top of the vehicle, you know, so we could shoot the actors' dialogue scenes inside the cars and incredible you know um, uh, technology um, that um, that was uh, prepared like six seven months ahead of time you know Um, but it was it it was very fun to be in in Matera to shoot there just because it was hard and it was hard to get up up and down down those hills because it's very you know uh, steep hills and we had to even like a normal walk and talk scene there would be tricky having to try to we wanted to do a, you know, a, a camera shot going up a staircase, and it was very complicated to get that going because you can't even get a crane to the position, and yeah. But anyway, it was it was um, it was lots of fun challenges in that town because of the the location.
0: Now, reflecting the, the range in this film, uh, you also have that action sequence, that's a uh, really intense sequence that's filmed underwater. Tell us about where and how that sequence was filmed.
1: That was very close to my heart, that scene, because I um, I, I myself was very inspired by the underwater scenes in the Bond movies and uh, got me into, you know, freediving and scuba diving eventually. So our, our production designer, Martilus Lee, uh, who built? You know, many, many, many of those. Almost all these scenes have, have you know, been designed. They're not just like they look, but they're designed or built. So a lot of, lot of the scenes are actually set builds uh, in the film, and uh, including this one, the underwater um, scene where he built this interior ship machine room on. Um, uh, on stage with the help of Chris Corbalt, building a, a giant rotisserie rig that uh, sort of ha- had this set in, inside of it. And it was built in, in pine wood on, on the underwater stage. So we, it was like four pillars, with you know a, a hydraulic rig that could descend this uh, set into the water and rotate it uh, upside down, if you will, or and and t- tilt it up and down, so it could all submerge and it was uh, outfitted with a lot of a lot of escape routes for for the crew. But we were in there with uh, you know um, underwater cameras and uh, we had this idea that. It would be visually quite interesting since boats usually they go on like twelve volt sort of power perhaps or twenty four I don't know whatever but uh, they had this um, uh, tube lights in there that we we felt it would be interesting once it's uh, you know filled with water that set that uh, those lights don't just black out but they like start to blink or or, or and so that becomes a little more interesting and. And so we created, uh, we built these lights to be underwater uh, fitted with, um, you know, so they, so they worked underwater, those LED lights. And, and they were they were just outfitted so they looked like fluorescent tubes. And But that scene was like actually built and planned for um, earlier in June or something like this. But then uh, Daniel Craig wasn't able to um, shoot with us for a little bit in the beginning of the movie. So... We had to actually take that whole set out again from the underwater tank in order to do other scenes in the underwater tank and then put it back in. So that was quite a process. But um, it was uh, it was an incredible set, very intricate. So lots of those uh, solutions, you know, where you uh, combine uh, uh, mechanical special effects. And that was part also of the whole uh, filming where Carrie, just like myself, really loved to capture it everything in camera as much as possible. And that's obviously uh, a lot of the theme on the Bond movies to actually do the stunts for real and do what you see actually happens in front of the camera. And this was part of it, you know, it's a huge effort from from uh, production uh, to put in that in front of the camera in the budget that we got to build all these uh, beautiful sets, you know.
0: Linus, tell us about the set for Safin's Compound that we see in the end.
1: Right, so that set um, for Safin's Compound is um, is quite remarkable. It's like Mark Tillisley, the production designer, designed all of that and built all of that uh, at Pinewood on like three or four stages. And um, one part of it, which is an exterior, is actually built on stage inside and we we, uh, Martellus built that all the way to the walls <laughs> to maximize it, of course. And we, um, you know, we had to lay a big overhead, uh, skylight with, um, I think it was something like 700 sky panels and, and a big, um, soft sun, uh, sunlight to, um, create a, a realistic sunset light. Cause all of that, um, that s- sequence was sort of lit in a little later light as a late afternoon light and um, part of it was interiors that had to be built outdoors because they were so big they didn't fit on stage so we had to build them outdoors uh, at the at Pinewood in the back lot and I think in total we had uh, 10 stages or something plus the back lot where we built that um, the, the Cuba streets exteriors which is basically um, three streets that are connected with two-story buildings and interior exterior sets which um, we built already early on as well in production and had to keep till the end of production in order to shoot it in in September, October for um, Daniel Craig's um, part of, of that story, so.
0: And you used a lot of long takes.
1: Yes, we always thought about how to tell this story in, in an interesting way. And I think oftentimes with the long takes in this case had to do with to try to get the audience to feel what, um, James Bond was feeling, you know, and, and we also did decide to change from handheld to crane moves, where crane moves would be uh, when uh, James Bond is more in control while handheld would be when um, we should feel that this may not go the right direction, you know. And so a lot of the handheld was in these sequences when he goes through. Uh, heavy battle scenes. And uh, some of those we did uh, as very long single takes, right? And also other take, uh, other uh, sort of dolly moves or so would be rather told in general. I think Kerry likes also to tell the story uh, with the camera and not like always edit too much. Um, so if it's possible uh, to go from a wide shot to a close-up of something and and make you feel like a cut, but it's, it's instead, it's just a pan to something or a, a push in on something, then that would be, you know, sometimes more interesting. Um, I think, and, but the the long takes um, has to do with, obviously, to make uh, the audience feel more inside of the action, you know.
0: This was your first time working with Daniel Craig. What was he like to work with?
1: Oh, Daniel is such a, a collaborator, you know, I'm, I mean, I'm. Uh, He's obviously very, uh, a great, uh, dramatic uh, actor, but also uh, very involved and uh, cared a lot about um, the story, but also about the visuals. And he was very great. He was just very great to work with, fantastic to work with.
0: Would you like to tell us a bit about shooting in Norway for the opening sequence, which is a flashback and you um, include the setting on an ice, an icy lake?
1: Norway, we scouted in December and we, uh, we found that location when it was uh, extremely frosty and foggy, <laughs> frosty and overcast and was very cold before Christmas and, and it was beautiful. And, and we decided to shoot there and build this house. And what, what, once we came back to shoot there, it started to get warmer. And, uh, and I thought that, um, you know, the worst that can happen is that it's sunny. Or that is windy, or both, because then we cannot get the look we're after, which is, you know, cloudy, overcast, and cold. And we could always manipulate, man- manipulate it. If it's, if it's not windy, we could add fog machines and create fog, you know. Or um, there's ways to get around weather, but weather is kind of challenging. I, I must say that was sort of our greatest challenge on the film was to, to find uh, the look we were aiming for. Without, you know, <laughs> when there's one thing we cannot um, change, and that's the weather. And and over there we had those challenges where it started to melt. You know, the the, the sets were surrounded by ice, and we had planned to have, um, you know, equipment out there, and there were we were challenged by the weather. But um, we were we were also lucky to, you know, get moments in the late afternoons uh, into the dusks where the clouds came in and we could shoot these exterior shots and we had to sort of scramble a little bit in Norway to to get all of that to work but um it's it's always interesting you know that we're as as prepared we can be and and as professional everyone is uh, on the on the crew and there's very technically tricky things we've been doing you still are are sort of in the hands of the weather so
0: the film was shot before the pandemic. Um, how does it feel for you, f- knowing that it's finally coming out and people are going to be seeing it in the theatre?
1: Oh, I'm so happy to, that it's possible now to actually go to the movie theatres again. And, um, and and I obviously think that um, films should be seen in, in movie theatres in general. And this one in particular is really great to see on a large screen. That's at least our our goal with the film was to do it for the large screen and uh, it's also for the sound you know like this is just the sound and the image is 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 really the best in the movie theaters i think no so i'm really happy for it to come out now it's it's going to be exciting to see what people think
0: before we wrap would you like to give a shout out to your crew
1: oh definitely I, it was amazing to it was the greatest experience i i love working for for Barbara and Michael, the producers uh, were so caretaking, and and uh, and and Carrie was such a great, inspiring collaborator, and and yeah, everyone in the crew was amazing. And my camera crew, obviously, very strong. We, you know, the IMAX cameras are very heavy, and initially we shot, um, we didn't really dare to get them on the shoulders, but um, eventually we shot. It was so easy. We just shot on the shoulders with these very heavy cameras, and they were very strong and and inspired as well of the of doing the film you know so everyone did their best
0: congratulations thanks for joining us
1: oh thank you caroline There's just not time to die
0: okay round 2 name something that's not boring
1: a laundry ooh a book club